Golf Combine listeners, we're back, podcast 38, and I have Tony back here. Now, we say it often, but the feedback actually on our last podcast was probably the best we have had. Um, no, no, not, nothing against any other podcast, but uh, the views, the listens, the amount of people that have messaged in, uh, it's been overwhelming really. So, Jamie, I was actually in Sydney when you guys did that podcast down here in Melbourne. I listened to it that night. Uh, on the Wednesday night, yeah. and it brought me to tears. I was, I mean, I, I, I know Michael, and obviously know Michael very well, and I knew Michael had cancer, but listening to his story uh, just brought me to tears because he is the big, huge, cuddly teddy bear of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, I think you could definitely feel the emotion in the room as well, um, and I'd heard the, the story on Friday, so I was trying to keep myself together, but it's it's a, it's a powerful story. Oh, so I, I was with him on Tuesday. Yeah. I was with him most of the day on Tuesday at our investment committee meeting um, up in Sydney. Uh, and to, he, you know, I mean, we just spoke briefly, you know, he's, he said he was looking forward to the podcast, but listening to his story... Um, brought tears to my eyes and I think it's his positive energy too you can really feel I, that those, those of us who know Michael is the most beautiful guy in the world yeah I yeah. mean he's, he, I think um, Brad Isaac gave him the nickname Andre the Giant because mm. he's a big huge man um, and he was a magnificent rugby player as well I mean he still would be yeah. <laughs> so I'd say he'd kill you and I but he's also the most gentlest loving guy you could meet so yeah. and I think um, that positive energy come across in the podcast um, that's some of the feedback we've had which has been fantastic uh, the, just the amount of views it was just yeah. amazing too so uh, I mean he's obviously also a very popular guy yeah I was uh, going to say so podcasts are starting to get a reach they are <laughs> it's, it's uh, quite amazing so uh, we'll see how today's goes hey? because yeah, well, you've, you've, you've already warned me it's a big change up this one I have warned well, just you for, just for the listeners, we have had a 45-minute conversation about telling me what not to say yeah. in this podcast. So we'll, we'll, I don't know if you uh, were recording all of that or not, Willard, so maybe we'll use it for the Christmas edits. Yeah, well, hopefully not, but we've, uh, <laughs> no, we've had, had a robust discussion and we've, we've come down to what we will talk about. Um, we're going to state it's about wage inequality, but not in the way that people um, would think straight away and not with all the politics that goes around that, but we will get into that discussion. And, and we're not talking about male versus female or anything like that. And um, we're not talking... Th- we're talking first world countries here. Yeah, we're not but, talking third world. But what we're We're trying, talking developed countries, yeah. What we're trying to link back to is the industrial revolutions and the, I guess the new revolution that we're going through. Tech, the tech revolution. revolution, yeah. yeah. Yep. So that, that's how we are going to go through it. Um, as we said, no politics, hopefully. I've, I'm ready to kick under the table if it comes to that point. And I can see you smiling there, but... Let's start. You, you did go to Sydney, as you mentioned, um, and there, you, you went to some good meetings with Morningstar, um, who sit on our investment committee, but Daniel Needham was over from the States, um, the Chief Investment Officer globally. Yes. Um, Australian man. Um, so what was his talk about, Tony? Well, his talk about was about what's happened historically in the markets, uh, which is data, basically, and uh, where markets currently sit on valuations, and looking forward in the markets as well. So what are areas of uncertainty and what are areas of opportunity that we have. But one of his topics was uh, income inequality, um, which is, as we know, a topic of discussion which um, is very political. There's no doubting that. It's extremely political. And 
I have promised you uh, that I will not get but political we, we on will, it. But we will get robust in the conversation. Absolutely. To, so it's, uh, I think you went back at Daniel in a few of his thoughts as well in that meeting. I was a very robust discussion. I mean, Daniel and I are, are good friends, as you know, and have been for, for a long time. And you had the pleasure of having dinner with him in Chicago as well. And he's a very down-to-earth individual for some Aussie, Aussie man that loves his cricket Aussie man who loves his cricket but you know he's he's also a you know a guy who looks forward and is helping with investment strategies for trillions of dollars globally yeah so he, he's, no, he's, he's, a know, switch, he's a switched on individual oh he is you know even you know the amount of books he reads on a yearly basis you know when we went to his office and we saw you know books lined up on his desk which are as big as my library and they're not the crime novels that i'm knocking over no they're not (laughs) uh, they're not at all so so he is a very so we we certainly had a very robust discussion um on the views and it it did involve politics yes yeah so when we are talking industrial revolution so where where did the conversation start well, basically, it's a case of the last time in the modern era yep. that we have seen such uh, wage or income equality was actually back during the Industrial Revolution, which was at the end of the 1800s. So ba- the Industrial Revolution basically started a full swing around about the 1880s, when I say full swing, uh, and went through uh, realistically to around about the 1930s. But... What I suppose what came from that is that for the first time in modern history, individuals were creating huge, huge vasts of wealth which hadn't been seen for hundreds of years. So whereas we've had monarchies that had huge uh, parts of wealth where you had 0.1% of the population having wealth beyond our imagination today, you know, the top five people today combined... Um, and we know the conspiracy theories and the, and the half-truths and full-truth behind, just like the Rothschilds family, yep. you know, and their wealth. And, you know, we, we know conspiracy theories and we also know fact of how they made their wealth. And it was, it's not a pretty story, uh, but it is also... That was probably the last time where we've had individual wealth that wasn't monarchy or born into that wealth that has been sort of started and created, and that was in financing in our industry. But if you have a look at the 1800s, there was a vast amount of wealth that was made by individuals that, as I said, had never been seen before. And as you know, I do uh, quite enjoy the history of Andrew Carnegie, and and he's a classic. Scotsman came from poverty, wasn't allowed to go to the local gardens because his grandfather was a unionist. Um, His father tried to make it, lost money. They went to the US, so he was a classic immigration story to the US, the land of dreams, I suppose. And he built a fortune which was unheard of. But besides the likes of Carnegie, there's other people that built the fortunes off the Industrial Revolution, people like J.P. Morgan, which realistically we we all know of J.P. Morgan. But if you think about it, his investment bank, I mean, he saved the US government from bankruptcy at one stage with putting strategies in place, not by loaning them money, even though that was included too. But you had, um, you know, the, the idea of he was involved in finance. He was realistically the first ever real hedge fund. Uh, the likes of Blackstone and those hedge funds that we see today, or the uh, the mythical Axe Capital, Bobby Axelrod from Billions, but it, it's it's loosely based on Carnegie of building that huge amount of wealth that he did. Once again, not starting from wealth, but actually building it. So in the 1800s, what happened is you had low wages 
um, and high unemployment rates where all of a sudden people were being upskilled. So the things like, for example, Henry Ford, you know, just making the conveyor belt for cars to actually build cars, uh, which was revolutionary. So that was the first, the um, not conveyor belt, but the uh, lines, you know, so basically going through and everyone having their job. Yeah. And what that did was that created mass production and through mass production that actually created huge amounts of employment. And we've seen the benefit of that, that revolution alone happen here in Australia in the 50s where we had an influx of skilled and unskilled immigrants, including my parents uh, from Western Europe predominantly, come to Australia. And when you consider the, uh, the, the couple who could hardly speak English came here, worked on the Holden or Ford um, assembly line, that was the word I was looking for, um, <laughs> assembly line, and, you know, screwing in nuts and bolts, buying their house out in Broadmeadows, and, you know, for $6,000, and then saving their cash and buying their second property and their third property. And those immigrants are today in their 80s, and they're about to, you know, just always worked for that basic wage, uh, they were never highly paid, but they had other benefits like huge superannuation schemes from the start, so they didn't have to wait until 1993. But they're now retired, living off an income, having four or five investment properties that their children, who are usually in professional services today, uh, or maybe not, are about to inherit, where those four properties that were purchased out in Broadmeadows are all worth a minimum of a million dollars each today. And the kids are saying, well, that's good, Mum and Dad, but we don't want to live out in Broadmeadows. We live in a two-bedroom in a city apartment. And when Mum and Dad pass away, they're going to sell all that up, especially if they're all pre-85 assets as well, capital gains tax-free. And that's that next amount of wealth. That has stemmed from the Industrial Revolution. So Willard gave me an interesting fact earlier uh, that the people who were the most successful during the Industrial Revolution... Uh, were all born around about the 1840s. The real wealth that was started to where the benefit of the Industrial Revolution, where the wealth was seen, was roughly 90 to 100 years later in the 1950s. So we had from people being able to afford basics like electricity and education for their kids, um, etc. during the early 1900s. Of course, we had the Great Depression of the late 1920s and early 30s. But what was happening is that in the 1950s, all of a sudden, it wasn't a case of you have two, maybe three families living in a street that had an automobile, like it was at the turn of the century. Every house had an automobile, if we're talking to US here. We had every house that had an automobile. And then all of a sudden, every 17-year-old who left school was able to afford to buy an automobile as well. So, And that wealth all started and stemmed from the Industrial Revolution at the turn of that century. So. Yeah. The, so basically it was a case of that that wealth took a hundred years where all of a sudden the prosperity came and one of the things that happened and this is a quote from Lee Iacoa who ended up becoming the CEO of Ford for many years one of the greatest CEOs they had but when he was talking about bringing out new cars for these kids rather than having the old type of cars but bringing out a car which was kind of like a sports car which was the Mustang he said if we go back in time, what has actually gone and happened is the end of World War II, all the GIs came back to, and what happened? They all had sex. 
and all of a sudden there was this generation of kids that were born who 17 years later were prosperity was reigning worldwide and these kids were leaving school and buying hot rods you know and doing up cars and, and having cars similar to what we have today you know I've got a household where uh, three people have a license and there's three cars and so in that household whereas yeah. that would have been unheard of just so not so long ago so I think that's the first revolu revolution as we call it the industrial revolution where we saw individuals start from nothing being able to create vast fortunes but that was also the first lot of turmoil in respect to wage inequality. I was going to say, that, that's where it's talking. Why is your factory worker not being paid like the owner? Yeah, that's correct. So it's, um, the factory owner obviously didn't start the, the job but, uh, or didn't start the, the company. But, and as we know, that 85% of new businesses fail within the first two years of starting. So it's not everyone you know, starts a business and grows it into a billion-dollar company. But what then went and happened is if we go into the second industrial revolution that actually occurred, and the second industrial revolution realistically started in 1984. Now, it didn't start off with a big bang, um, but it started to be built in 1984, and that was actually, excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, I shouldn't have had that cookie. <laughs> so it's, um, but the second industrial revolution actually started in 1984, with realistically the internet. We already had computers. So tech was just starting. Yeah, it was. So we had the um, internet. So when we're talking, you really shouldn't have had that cookie, should you? <laughs> um, so yeah, the tech started, obviously you're talking 1984, the internet, um, and now what, we're just seeing the fruits of labor now? Yeah, we are. So if you think in 1984, what the internet did besides communication, being able to get, it started e-commerce. And if you think of a lot of the billionaires that we have today who founded companies, uh, they were all born in the 50s. So they, they were baby boomers. Uh, so they're basically 10 to 15 years older than I am. So they're sort of in their 60s, mid-60s today. So if you have a look at some of them, the likes of Steve Jobs, who's no longer with us, uh, Bill Gates, uh, we have uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, Warren Buffett was born in the 20s, uh, so about 20 years earlier. But what's gone to happen, even if you think of Warren Buffett and a lot of these huge hedge funds and some of the wealthiest people in the world, like Ray Dalio, etc., they've made their money because people are making money and they need that money to invest. So the likes of the JP Morgan, same scenario. He wasn't worried about assembly lines. He was buying and investing the funds that came from the wealth that was created through that and loaning funds out to these organisations who can do it. And that's the same with the likes of the Ray Dalios of the world, etc. as well. So he might be involved in finance and not be involved in technology, but he's still one of the top 100 wealthiest people in the world. Same with Charlie Munger, same with Warren Buffett from a finance perspective. But the technology that's actually gone now is uh, you know, Jeff Bezos in respect to starting Amazon. So this revolution that we're in today, we have more billionaires you know, coming out on an annual basis today than the world has ever seen combined. And this is where that inequality, all the, the disparity, sorry, is between your CEO compared to your worker. Oh, if, if, well, if you take Amazon as an example, Amazon is the example where you do have factory workers. Yeah. You do have people in that, a lot of it's automated, of course, but in that assembly line uh, who are on the minimum wage, and the minimum wage in the US is quite low. Yes. 
Cost of living's lower they're not, too. They're not getting tips in the factory. No, they're not getting tips in the factory at all. So it's um so from that perspective, uh, there is a huge wage disparity. But if you work in sales at Microsoft, you can be earning three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year. So from that perspective, they're getting paid really well. And you know, getting a job in a prestige firm like Apple, Google, Microsoft, etc. These people are actually engineers. They have engineers backgrounds, but they're not on $25,000 US a year. They're on very good wages, and of course, it's a global company. So what's gone and happened in this current revolution that we are in, if you think about it, uh, the wealth and prosperity that came from the first industrial revolution was really felt in a massive scale globally in the 1950s, so virtually 90 years after. If we have a look where we are in the tech, uh, technology revolution today, those people who were born in the 1950s are the, some of the richest people in the world today uh, who are actually based on what they have produced from 1980 onwards. So when they were in there, I mean, we all know the story of Bill Gates as a kid, uh, you know, in university. Uh, so, you know, brilliant mathematics uh, kid at university who just loved computers. So the basis of where you have today is you have people like Elon Musk. Uh, you know I'm not a great fan of Elon Musk. <laughs> um, but if you, ha if you have a look at what he's actually done, is, you know, people think of Elon Musk with Tesla, but Elon Musk was originally one of the founders of BPay. That's where he made his first billion dollars. And so the, you talk about then the, that inequality it's not so much that people aren't paid well today. I mean, you see, I saw a homeless person just down here in Fitzroy before for mobile phone uh, on the street begging with his iPhone, and he's got his iPhone sitting there. So, you know, whereas you had the monarchy in the 1500s who didn't have running water, who didn't, you know, who dysentery, didn't have the ability to shower, didn't have toilets, uh, certainly not like we have today, didn't have air conditioning and heaters um, in their homes. So. When we talk about wage inequality today, it's vastly different. I'd, I'd, I'd much prefer to be poor today than poor 500 years ago, let's put it that way. So it's, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Times I, I, have changed. Times have certainly <laughs> changed. But, you know, it's, it, being poor 500 years ago meant an early death. It was, you know, whether it be through disease or just death by violence of some type. Being poor today is just a lot lower standard of living than the average in whichever country you are. So once again, I'm not talking about third world countries here. So it's not necessarily the wage, what I would regard as the wage inequalities, the disparity of that you can wake up today, have a magnificent idea, work your butt off for five years, develop that idea, it's usually got some type of technology background and end up being a billionaire. You've got a far greater chance of making huge amounts of wealth today on the back of the technology revolution that we are currently in than what we have seen realistically since the 1950s. And Jamie, if I can read an article which I saw on one of my cousin's Facebook pages today, if that's okay. Yeah, you did send that through to me. And before. it's not political, so I'm going to read it. <laughs> so, um, now, this was in the Tacoma, the Tacoma News Tribune on the 11th of April 1953. It's called, There'll Be No Escape in Future from Telephones. Now, remember 1953, the birth, basically the birth of the current billionaires or most successful people in the world that we see today from technology. The headline is, There'll Be No Escape in the Future as my banker rings through. There you go. <laughs> so it's a, sorry, I will 
tell him that I have to, sorry Ryan, I will have to call you back later. I need to read this article. Um, there'll be no escape in future from telephones. Pasadena. Uh, the telephone of the future. Mark R. Sullivan, San Francisco President and Director of the Pacific Telephone and Telegraph Company, said in an address Thursday night, just what form the future telephone will take is, of course, pure speculation. Here is my prophecy. Prophecy. In its final development, the telephone will be carried about by the individual, perhaps as we carry a watch today. It probably will require no dial or equivalent, and I think the users will be able to see each other if they want, as they talk. Who knows? But what it may actually translate from one language to another. I mean, look, it's, look, it's, look at you reading that off your phone. As yeah, we we, yeah, <laughs> without my glasses on. <laughs> so it's, uh, but the isn't isn't it interesting that if we go to today, so that was 1953. So we're talking 47, 57, 65 plus years ago. Today, you know, we've got Google Translate. Yeah. Uh, we've got we've got a computer more powerful that we carry in our pocket than what you know, hundred times more powerful than what they had sending man to the moon. Yeah. So it it is when you consider that technology, and this was the debate going forward of where we actually sit. Where is that going to continue from? And where where does that look like from an investment perspective then? Oh, I mean, we, we all want to know who the next Amazon, Google and Apple are and be able to go and, you know, so give, give some young Bill Gates $10,000 today to be able to create the next, um, he was Microsoft, <laughs> so it's, um, or, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, give him a few thousand dollars to be able to create the next Facebook. Uh, purely based on, you know, he did that because he couldn't get a date. Um, but basically it was a case of that where the next lot is going to be, we don't really know, but there are a lot of areas now that are being developed, especially in areas like, for example, biomedical. Uh, so, you know, the future of being able to uh, live forever. Um, the you know whether you want to or not is another thing, but the ability from a health perspective. Imagine, imagine another three hundred years of working for you. <laughs> I'd like to think working work, working with me at that stage, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> not working for me so it's uh hey tony hi <laughs> hi jamie no but it's is i i wouldn't i wouldn't wish that upon you jamie <laughs> so, 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 um I, I think though that there is there's obviously going to be if you're too young to think back 30 years but if i think back 30 years when i was 20 i couldn't imagine some of the stuff that i see at the window today and and the thing is is that the next massive invention like the internet as an example uh, people who developed the computers in the 50s you know and flew man to the moon um, that was unheard of but if you go back to 19 uh, I think it was 1927 uh, when you had the first transatlantic telephone call uh, between London and New York so that was just less than 90 odd years ago now today we just have open communication as per what Mr Sullivan had actually predicted there where we can have FaceTime yeah. uh, with each other. So that first transatlantic telephone call, there was something like a three and a half minute delay between you talking, the other person hearing it and responding. So if you think, hi Jamie, how are you? I got my response seven minutes later. <laughs> Good, and you? <laughs> so it's, uh, so, it's, so th these are the things where if you think about we don't know wh where we are going uh, into the future. 
but we see areas that are advancing for a whole host of reasons um, and it's not just a case of the same old cars are a classic example you know just Tesla with the um, electric cars um, you know that's an example of so where are we going to be in a decade that's lots of predictions uh, but for example will we need Uber drivers will we need taxi drivers or will they all just be driverless cars and our Uber app is just getting the car to come pick us up and take us to the next location with no driver these are the things that are predicted over the next decade in a decade's time, we'll see. But one thing that can be assured from a financial perspective, we are living in the greatest time and greatest opportunities that we have seen for 100 years. And you don't necessarily have to be doing the... Everyone has the opportunity to earn a really good income nowadays and actually prosper no matter what industry you're in. Melbourne cafes. As a classic example, you know, you wouldn't have had the... Yeah, construction. Uh, you don't actually have to be an engineer in respect to technology uh, to be able to do that. So realistically, if um, moving forward, yep, there are great disparities between the ability, uh, between the amount of billionaires there are in the world today versus uh, the amount of um, lower paid workers. But everyone has the opportunity to actually earn a great income today, unlike the Industrial Revolution, where, yes, you got employment, but then you ended up dying of black lung <laughs> so, so, um, so as a result. a few little differences now. Now you'll just die of obesity because you sit behind a computer screen for 13 hours a day and doing nothing. Doing nothing. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so I, that's my take. I did not mention oh, any you, political. You have, you have really done well. I, you've done a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Well, and... for 45 minutes you're cursing me, and I won't repeat the words if you, you, Jamie's oh. saying to me. If you dare <laughs> talk about Brexit, but, uh, if you dare. I, I actually did. I, I, I enjoyed the uh, history lesson, really. And, there you I, go. and I, think it, I think it's that knowledge that's, that holds us well for the future. It all comes from reading. It all comes from reading. Tony, thank you. And we'll, uh, see, we'll listen, you guys can listen next time.